preaching to us today out of Revelation, and he's asked me to read from John 19, if you want to open with me there to John chapter 19, if you're using one of the Pew Bibles, it's on page 1672. I'm going to be jumping around a little bit from 19 to 20, so I want you to track with me if you can. I'll be starting in verse 17 of chapter 19. And as the rustling of pages ceases, we will start to read. John chapter 19, starting in verse 17. And he, Jesus, bearing his cross, went out to a place called the place of a skull, which is called in Hebrew, Golgotha, where they crucified him and two others with him, one on either side, and Jesus in the center. Now Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross, and the writing was, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Then many of the Jews read this title, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Hebrew, Greek, and Latin. Verse 28. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the Scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on hyssop, and put it to his mouth. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Chapter 20 and verse 1. Now the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid Him. Peter therefore went out and the other disciple and were going to the tomb. So they both ran together. And the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen cloths lying there. Yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. And he saw the linen cloths lying there. And the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who came to the tomb first, went in also, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not know the Scripture that He must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again to their own homes. But Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. Then they said to her, Woman, Why are you weeping? She said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid Him. Now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she didn't know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And she, supposing Him to be the gardener, said to Him, Sir, if you have carried Him away, tell me where you have laid Him, and I will take Him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say, teacher. 
Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. Dear Lord, I thank you for this, the greatest of all days on our calendar that we can celebrate you rising from the dead, being our first fruits, that we have confirmation, Lord, that you have indeed conquered death, and that one day we will be with you, seated at the right hand of the Father. I pray for this morning, Lord, that as Pastor Paul comes and and opens your word to us, that you would give him clarity of thought, clarity of speech, and great passion, Lord, for what you have laid upon his heart. Lord, we come not to hear from Paul, but to hear from you. So we pray that you would speak through him and that you would use him and spend him for your glory and that we would have ears to hear and hearts to receive what you've got for us today. So Lord, speak to us today. Your servants are listening. In Jesus' name. Amen. So I know we've uh, read a lot of scripture this morning, and uh, I I do need your indulgence as I read some more. But as it's Resurrection Day, I hope that you are uh, good with that. Um, I know that the book of Revelation hardly skips into your mind when thinking about Easter, but uh, perhaps it should particularly this chapter, Revelation chapter 5. Even though it has its imagery and some of uh, it is rather weird, to say the least, what we will read here is a celebration, a celebration of a work done, a work completed. In fact, it's the greatest celebration recorded in Scripture, and it's the greatest celebration in the whole of history. And it's rightfully centered upon the person of Jesus Christ and him risen. It's not centered in some famous individual and their accomplishments. It's not focused on uh, some royal dignitary, some person of fleeting prominence in world affairs. It's focused on the one who is the eternal son of God, who humbled himself and came into this world to become a human being so that he could die for human beings, die for their sins. On someone also who defeated death, who will one day defeat Satan utterly and reclaim this world and reconcile heaven and earth to himself. That's what this chapter celebrates. Now, in chapter 4 of the book of Revelation, you have 
a heavenly scene where God, God the Father, is most prominent. And you have, of course, you have these weird four living creatures and you have the 24 elders. And I'm not going to go into the symbolism of, of them because that's disputed and uh, it's not really germane to what I want to talk about today. <clears throat> but they praise God. In verse 8 of chapter 4, they say, Holy, 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 the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And then they give glory and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever. And then the 24 elders, they join in and they say in verse 11 of chapter 4, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. So the, the doxology here, the praise from the creatures before the throne are to do with God's holiness and his eternity, the fact that he has existed forever. He's the basis for everything else that exists or that will exist. And also it's based on creation. We're here, this world is here, this universe is here, everything that we see and interact with is here because of God, the creator. And yes, it is fallen, and yes, it is cursed, and yes, it is far from what it ought to be. But we, as we sit here, we are the pinnacle of that creation. Human beings made in God's very image. And as such, we are worth a great deal. Our souls, our bodies are worth a great deal. So much so that what happens in chapter 5, therefore, takes on special significance. So if you don't mind, I'm going to just read through these 14 verses. And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? And no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. So I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Then he came and took the scroll out of the hand of him who sat on the throne. Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. 
And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands and thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and and under the earth, such as are in the sea, and all that are in them, I heard saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Then the four living creatures said, Amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshipped him who lives forever and ever. What we have here is the scene that we see in chapter 4, which focused on the eternally, the turn, sorry, the eternality of God, the Father, and his creative work, then moves on to speak about the Lamb, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, and his work, and his work particularly in the redemption of that creation. The redemption of everything that God had made. The turning it round again. So it is, it is something that truly reflects the character of the sinless, eternal, beautiful God. And praise, of course, for the redemption, not just of the earth and of the physical uh, form that God made, but of humanity, human beings, saved from their sins, saved from their struggle with sin, saved from the judgment of God against those sins, saved forever, saved permanently, saved gloriously, by the lamb who was slain. Because there he is, this lamb who John sees, a lamb, as he describes him, who was slain. But he's living. The lamb is living. It's a very strange scene, I understand. If that was all there was to it, it would be rather strange, but... You know, before he's described as a lamb, he's actually described as a lion. The lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David. Focusing in on there, on the covenant with David, with the dynasty over Israel. Jesus is the lion who comes from Judah. We don't think of him when we uh, read the Gospels when we read the account that Steve read out for us as Jesus as a lion, 
there we're reminded more of Isaiah 53, how he is led as a lamb to the slaughter. The lamb picture comes more to our minds. But we must remember that the lamb is also the lion. Yes, it's symbolic. But lions intimidate. Lions have no enemies. And Christ is depicted, before he's depicted as a lamb, he's depicted as a victorious lion. Who has, look at verse 5, prevailed. Prevailed. What has he prevailed over? We're not actually told. We're supposed to, uh, to gain it from the context. But the hint is that he's a lamb who was slain and yet lives. So he's prevailed over the greatest enemy that human beings are confronted with, death. As we sit here, as we get older, as we near more and more the end of our lives, we are confronted closer and closer and closer with our demise, with our death. You say, well, I don't want to think about that right now. I want you to think about it. I want you to think about death. I want you to think about its austerity. I want you to think about its unforgiving nature and its inevitability, at least for a while. Because it's there in front of us, the specter that we're all moving towards. It has a power over us that we cannot uh, gainsay, we cannot do anything about. But the Lamb, the Lamb has beaten death. The Lamb has prevailed over death. That is significant. He is risen. He is risen. And death is behind him. As defeated and unable to do anything now about that life that he lives. The reign that he will enjoy. And the redemption both of the creation and of human beings that has been achieved by the Lamb. Now, the scroll that's spoken of at the beginning of this chapter is a very special scroll. It's so special that nobody, no being, no seraph or angel is found worthy to open it. It's sealed until one is found worthy. And obviously the scene is that a search is made after the angel asks the question, who is worthy to open this scroll? A search is made among all of the inhabitants of heaven, looking down probably to the inhabitants of earth too. And they come up empty. 
Nobody is worthy until focus switches from off of all of the creatures of heaven and all of the creatures on earth, and it focuses now on one being, the Lord Jesus Christ as the lion and the lamb. He is declared worthy. He is declared worthy. Because he is worthy, this scroll can be opened. And this scroll signifies the judgments of God upon earth and upon sin at the end of time. If, this is something I, want, I will return to, but if Jesus had not come into the world and had not defeated death, and if he had not defeated death for us, And risen again, these judgments of God, therefore, would not have been able to have been played out. And this earth would have continued in its dismal history until who knows when. We destroyed ourselves. Or we became more like uh, we were before the flood. However, we would deteriorate and die. We would be destroyed. But God is the creator. God has not given up on his creation. And the lamb has been found worthy because he's prevailed over death. And now he can release these Judgments. These judgments must come upon the earth from heaven. Doesn't matter what man's plotting down here. Doesn't matter what the World Economic Forum's plans are. At some point, God has his plans and the Lamb will start to break the seals. And things will happen upon this earth. And so the focus is on the Lamb. Verse 6, I looked and behold, in the midst of the throne of the four living creatures, in the midst of the elders stood a Lamb as though it had been slain. The the word there is a very strong Greek word, uh, slain violently. Having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Don't worry about that too much. It is symbolism. But the description is that the spirit of God has gone out after the resurrection of Jesus to all the earth. Salvation has gone out to all of God's creatures. And he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. So the focus, you see, is directly on the lamb, but then it widens. And what you get is that things start to widen and uh, further out and further out and further out until the whole of heaven and earth is involved. 
verse 8 tells us. When he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints, the prayers that we have uttered and that thousands and millions of the saints of God have uttered, come, Lord Jesus, help us, save us out of this, cleanse us, deliver us from our enemies. Those prayers that are kept and treasured by God in heaven will be answered. And they sang a new song. This is on behalf of us and on behalf of all redeemed humanity. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. Just a lamb. Just a Judean carpenter. Just a historical figure who, you know, apart from within the the small bounds of ancient Israel, nobody knew about, you know, the the, uh, procurators scattered throughout the Roman Empire, not heard of him. The emperor had certainly not heard of him. This nobody has done all of this. He's redeemed who? Every tribe, tongue, people, nation. It may have started in ignominy, naked on the Roman cross, defeated as it seemed by his enemies. But that's not the end of the story and that's not the way it ends up. The story ends up with the one who was put on the cross, the lamb who was slain, living and being surrounded by all of those who claim the victory over death through him. I hope that you are among their number. I hope that you know that Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, died for your sins and that he rose again so that you may have eternal life. And the punishment of death will not forever have its claws in you. I hope you have the victory because you have Jesus. And so, we have the praise of the Lamb by those centered around the throne. But then the the lens widens more. Verse 11, it says, Then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels. 
around the throne, the living creatures and the elders. And the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. I'm terrible at math. And I'm not going to count that. But I know it's an innumerable multitude. I didn't even know until I read the Bible that there were that many angels. But now all of those angels who have been ministering in different parts of God's creation come together for this celebration. To sing this song. To come before the throne of God. To give their voices to the Lamb. Saying with a loud voice. Can you imagine a noise? With a loud voice in heaven. This is more than a football stadium or a a rock concert or something like that. This is loud. This is significant. Millions upon millions upon millions up there before the throne giving their glorified voices to the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. The focus is on the Lamb. The focus is on Jesus. Chapter 4, the focus was on God the Father. Here the focus is on Jesus and on what he's accomplished. And people want to say, there are other ways to be saved. People want to say, there are other religious leaders that you can put along Jesus, uh, alongside of Jesus and he's just another one of those. That's not the impression that you get from reading this. There is one Savior, there is one Savior who reconciles humanity to God, and that is the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. He's a Lamb, but he's a living Lamb. He's a lamb, but he's a victorious lamb. Everywhere in the book of Revelation where he's spoken of as the lamb of God, he's never spoken of as a defeated lamb, but as a victorious lamb. One that has been slain, one who has shed his blood for our sins, but one who yet lives and is coming to reign. God does things in odd ways, doesn't he? A lamb. A picture of a lamb. An insignificant lamb does this. Why didn't, I mean, God should have surely just stuck with the lion. But you see, it wasn't a a lion who died. Do you see? It wasn't a lion that shed its blood. It was a lamb who was the sacrifice for our sins. Helpless. Weak. Willing, though, to undergo death for us. Now, 
this throng of angels that are before the throne, they name seven things. I've only put four of them there because I couldn't fit them all on the line in uh, the third point here. But there are seven things that are spoken of in verse 12. Power, riches, wisdom, strength, honor, glory, blessing. Seven items that are not usually associated with lambs in any way. But he, the Lamb of God, will receive power, power over this world that he's died for, died in and rose again in. He will receive power, absolute power, over this creation. He will rule with a rod of iron. He will rule all of the governments, all of the um, different aspects of life. And that rule will not be totalitarian. It will not be um, like a dictator. It will be a rule of blessedness, a rule of humanity understanding for the first time what freedom is. Riches. The riches coming from God. The riches that are bestowed on the one who has defeated death and who will reign eternally on our earth. Wisdom. Because he's not going to reign stupidly like so many people so many rulers down through history have done. He will not be a fool of a king. He will be wise, which means every single decision that he makes will be the right decision. It will be considered. It will be fair. It will be for the benefit of those whom he rules over. That's Amen. Strength, strength to do exactly what needs to be done. Honor, well, he's receiving it here, is he not? But he doesn't receive it right now upon earth. When Jesus returns, there are many, many things that will change about this earth and about life but perhaps the key change is that Jesus will be front and center and he will receive the honor of human beings who do we honor nowadays we honor ourselves or we honor these uh, stars who are stars just for a moment, whether it is in film or music or whatever it is, these so-called celebrities. We honor such trifles, don't we? How about honoring someone who has actually accomplished something for us? Glory. Glory such as we cannot imagine. The transformation of ourselves, of our bodies, of our souls, of our minds, of our hearts, of this world. 
an utter transformation in fitting with the character of the Creator God. Not blighted anymore by sin or by thorns and thistles or by the machinations of the devil and those who are under his thrall. All of that gone forever. Death also vanquished. Glory. And blessing. The blessing is going to the Lamb, which the idea here is to give him uh, a laudation or praise. But that blessing also flows from him, obviously. Because he hasn't died for himself. He's not pictured as the risen Lamb just to impress his Father. He's the... Lamb who was slain but is now yet alive because of those who are redeemed through him. And so verse 13 widens the scope even further as if billions of angels isn't enough. Every creature, verse 13, which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, I heard saying, blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever. Here you see at the end of chapter five, God the father is brought back in to the picture as he Uh, The picture started in chapter 4, and he's brought together now with his son, the Lamb. And the whole of creation is worshipping God the Father and God the Son. The Spirit is also mentioned in chapter 4 through the work of the Spirit who has transformed hearts, transformed the earth, transformed everything so that all now truly recognize that the Lamb is worthy. This is a celebration. This is a celebration. Our celebration will come. We also will stand there in that foreign place that we call heaven, which is really our home. We will stand there and we'll give our voice to the throng. But you know what? It should start now. It should start now in our little churches. There should be this recognition of the worth of Jesus Christ. People use his name down here as a slang term. What do you think of it? What do you think of Jesus this Easter morning. Because whether you like it or not, whether you fully comprehend it or not, and I hope that you comprehend at least more of it here, he is risen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, you sent Jesus to accomplish your work to save us. And to save creation. And he has finished that work. 
All that is now left to do is for Jesus to come again to judge the earth and to set up his reign with his saints. We don't know when that will be, but maybe that will be soon. But right now, Father, even though the, uh, the world turns its way, its face away from Jesus and despises his name, here in the church of Jesus Christ, we honor him. He is the only Savior. He is the only one who is worthy. And we thank you, Father, that the work that was done by him is still as powerful today as it was when he rose from the dead nearly 2,000 years ago. It's powerful enough to save anyone who will turn to him and cling to the cross, confessing their sins and believe that Jesus has died for them and been raised for their justification. I do pray that this Easter morning that everyone who can hear my voice will believe that Jesus is worthy of their life, their soul, their everlasting praise. Amen.